Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Sports Virus Podcast, everybody. I'm Joe Castellano. Today's guest is Randy Cross, who played for the 49ers and won three Super Bowls. Now he's an analyst for CBS Sports Network. Before we get to Randy, let me tell you about our sponsor, Kane's Tire in San Rafael. They offer the lowest prices in Marin County, California. They've done that for over 60 years. Now let's get to the conversation that I had with Randy Cross on Tuesday morning. Well, Randy, thanks so much for joining me here on this podcast. And I wanted to start by talking about the current 49ers and game one, which was a huge disappointment for them against the Chicago Bears. I don't know how much you watched of the game, but I know you follow your former team. So uh, what did you think about that result for San Francisco? Yeah, it was uh, it was a rough way to start. I don't know how surprised you should have been. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Chicago, not a bad football team, pretty good defensive team, obviously, from the result you saw on the field. Um, you're starting a new quarterback in Trey, and they just, contrary to what fans want to think, and other people are kind of casually involved with the game, that it's something you just sort of turn on and turn off. You're, you're going to have issues. You're going to have struggles. You might struggle early. You might struggle in the middle. You might struggle late, whatever. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he was 13 to 28. If you like QBRs and ratings and all that, it wasn't, you know, much of a deal. I, I was kind of shocked when I, by the end of the game, when I saw that he was only sacked twice. But yeah. the only reason he was only sacked twice is he's such a, he uses his feet so well because that offensive line did not play well um, in front of him. And, you know, they rushed for a good number of yards. But any time in the NFL, if you rush for, you know, what was it, about a dozen yards more than you pass for, that can make winning a little bit tough, especially if you want to throw one touchdown and you have a pick in there too. So yeah. They, uh, they they scheduled Chicago got to do the belly flop and the slide and play in the rain <laughs> and all that stuff, but it's just one game. And I, I think we've seen in this league, um, preseason has almost evaporated. You know, I, I think you can make a pretty good argument now that, you know, why don't we just play 20 regular season games, play the, pay the players a little bit more for the extra games and don't even have preseason and have a period of time where you're doing team-on-team stuff with different teams coming in and out of the cities, and you can do some live stuff, and you can do some hitting. But, you know, game one is your first look at what your team's really going to look like, and you're going to have mental mistakes, you're going to have physical mistakes, and San Francisco had plenty of those. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't pin the loss all on Trey Lance, of course. I mean, he had some really good throws. He had some bad ones. He made his share of mistakes. I mean, we're, we are, like you said, kind of expecting that from this rookie quarterback. But let's go back. Was it a mistake to go ahead and, and hand the keys to the Cadillac to this kid Trey Lance uh, when you, you, know, you ended up getting Jimmy Garoppolo as your backup? And if you're Kyle Shanahan, how much of a leash do you have on Trey Lance? Um, probably pretty good. I think it's uh, directly proportionate to what you paid to get him. Yeah. Um, you've made this commitment, you know, and you did wait. It wasn't like you popped it right in in 2021 and said, he's my guy, he's going, and, you know, a couple games in, you, you made him the man. Um, he, he sat and he watched, and I, I, it's not a commitment, I think, 
you, you could even begin to think that they they took lightly, so they wouldn't take it too lightly about you know messing around and pulling people in and out and doing all that because that that would not be good. And I, I don't think either one of the guys in charge and Shanahan and, and Lynch are predisposed to making those kind of knee-jerk reactions. Well, if you go back to uh, in your career, your last year, 1988, and winning the Super Bowl, but that year, that, that was very interesting when you talk about the controversy between Joe Montana, Steve Young, and Bill Walsh making quarterback changes there with two uh, you know, amazing Hall of Fame quarterbacks. How did that affect the whole team when that was going on? Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of started in 87 during that strike year, just to add another dynamic to that terrible experience of going through an NFL strike. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it does. You know, I, I think in retrospect, it was more of a message than anything else. Uh, and you're, yeah, there was, you know, Bill was trying to motivate Joe and he wanted, you know, a certain level of performance out of him and, you know, little did we know at the time he was pretty damn hurt. Um, and it was, it's amazing he was able to do what he was doing with that elbow in the condition it was in. But, you know, Bill wasn't going to allow for that. And he wanted to have a performance at a certain level. And he was able, because he had the resource and the guy behind him, to kind of mess with him. And that sends a message to the other guys on the team. Because, you know, let's be honest, if you can mess with him, what are the chances of him messing with you and your job? <laughs> right. And, and that's what it's really all about when you think about it. I don't care if you played in the 30s or the 80s or the 90s or the 2020s or whenever. Um, it's about jobs and job security. And if you ever really think you have job security in the NFL, I would suggest you watch your back. <laughs> right. But, I mean, the biggest difference here is that you had a quarterback in Montana who was the incumbent, who had, you know, all kinds of experience, had won Super Bowls, and you've got Trey Lance here who is the starter, and you got to wonder, like, you know, how much confidence does he have? He has, you know, shown that he looks like he's not uh, a shaky-type personality, but I would think it takes a lot in this situation. Um, you know, the coach is, is thinking, hey, i got to get some wins. So, like you said, maybe there's a longer leash than people think. But at the same time, I mean, it's it's time to perform right away. He doesn't have much time to think about it. Oh no, there's there's not too much up uh, ramp up as to right. what your options are, um, and there won't be much in the way of you know slack when it comes to the fans and everything else. So I think you know the new guy is always fans are kind of predisposed to give him the benefit of the doubt. Doesn't matter, and and they were back then with Steve, you know, with Joe. And you know, oh well, yeah, he can run. He really adds that. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you got to run the offense. You got to do a lot of different things. So, I, I think Trey is going to get a lot of help. He's going to get a lot of help from his coaches and his teammates, including Jimmy G. Um, he will be fine. I, I, I think fans have got to trust in the decision making of the guys that are in charge. And, I mean, they still have Debo. They still have, you know, Elijah Mitchell and Wilson and Ayuk and, you know, Jennings and go down the rest of them on that side of the ball. But, you know, I, just from my early impressions of seeing – I didn't see the entire game. I saw pieces of it, especially the second half. Man, um, that offensive line across the board has got to play a lot better. And I like parts of the Bears' defense, and I think they're very good. But, you know, that's an offensive line that has made their bones on being physical 
and being kind of at at times dominant in spots, you know, especially at left tackle. But you know, I didn't see a whole lot of that out of that that offensive line in general. And if they don't play well, they don't play well, and Lance has to get off his spot on a regular basis. Um, that's not going to be a fair, very fair evaluation process for him because he'll be running for his life. That's the thing I was thinking about, too, and I'm sure you guys thought about that with Steve Young, is that you worry about him getting hurt. I mean, he's running out there, and he's exposed. And even though he's a big guy and he can run well, I mean, he took one crunching hit, and you just wonder, I mean, how long is this guy going to last if he's running around like that? Yeah, well, you know, contrary to kind of selective memory, that was Joe's forte. As well as Joe meshed in the whole idea of, you know, the West Coast offense and all that and the timing and the throwing and his, his touch and everything else, you know, people forget Joe held the rushing record for rushing yards in a Super Bowl for a long time. Yeah. In that, in that game against Miami. And, and you never knew where Joe was going to be behind you. You knew where he was supposed to be, <laughs> but you never know where he was going to be. And, and he became the standard for one of my favorite things. And Steve became another one as, as he matured and, and played. And there are a lot of guys that do it well. We saw a great one at it last night, Russell Wilson and um, Mahomes and, and Allen and the rest now. Is, is those guys that can run or move to throw, anybody can run to run. Anybody can go read one, read two, I'm running. But the guys that can learn how to scooch in the pocket, can, can move, can roll, can send, and still be a threat to throw it. That's the special quarterbacks, and I think that's that's kind of that that step and that that part of you know Trey Lance's game. You're going to have to see live. We've seen pieces of it, but uh, you know I, I think that's the difference maker and, and that 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 ability because being able to move is great. Being able to run for your life is fantastic. But if you're going to run to run in the NFL you're not going to have a real long shelf life. No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, that you pointed out, I think that's kind of a weakness of Jimmy G's game is that he doesn't seem to throw well when he's on the run. I mean, that, you know, that was something that was beautiful about Montana's game is the way that he could roll out. I mean, you think about the catch. That was a rollout play, and he held on to the ball for a while. But, you know, just being able to survey the defense while you're on the move like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's fun to watch when it's done right. And for the fans that saw that Thursday night game, everybody's concentrating on that straight arm that Allen put on the DB. And that's that's cool. I think it's great if you, you know, people forget that that was the throwing hand that he was shoving in that guy's face mask. But <laughs> right. that aside, um, it, it's the guys that can move around and the guys that can throw off the different platforms and Aaron Rodgers has made an art form out of it. Everybody marvels about what Trey, what um, Patrick Mahomes does at Kansas city and rightfully so, but you know, Aaron Rodgers learned that from Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers has been doing that for a long, long time where, you know, it used to be, you had to set your hips and you had to set your feet. You can throw in any direction. Not now, not these guys. I mean, it's, it's still dangerous if you take the, a bad chance, but, you know, these guys that can throw off the different, you know, platforms and throw on the run and do all that, those are the, they're the new standard. Those are the guys. The, the Bradys, you're watching, you know, a Stegosaurus finish his career because <laughs> he's a dinosaur. And, and those guys in today's NFL will not last long because being a destination guy in a pocket, 
it's it's just too dangerous physically because your your line just cannot be that good for as long as it needs to be to support those kind of guys. And Tampa's Tampa's one of the rare teams, if not maybe the only team that relies on a pure drop back, you know, format. You know, maybe Indy now with with Ryan, but yeah, you know, there's not too many of them. Yeah, I mean, it looks like everybody's looking for the next Mahomes or Josh Allen. I mean, especially the way Allen developed, because when he first came into the league, I, I don't think people thought he would be this good. I mean, it's been fantastic mm-hmm. for the Bills. They're a team there that people are looking at to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, you know, how stupid do a lot of college evaluators look <laughs> when you got a guy like that that doesn't get an offer out of high school, and you know, a year later, he gets one, and it's at Wyoming. <laughs> And he goes there, and I don't know if you remember him in college. He was, I don't think he was, you could say he was poo-pooed, but people talked about him as, you know, being, well, it's not the elite level of football. And, yeah, he's, he's got a lot of talent, but they called him the gunslinger <laughs> in, in college. And I wasn't really sure if that was a compliment or an insult. <laughs> but he's taken that same attitude and that same kind of game and that swagger to the NFL and it's just translated straight across and it doesn't always, you know, translate straight across like that. So, you know, it's not always about being a five star or four star or whatever. So, you know, he's, he's, he's great proof of that. And you saw a guy last night that was a highly touted high school kid. That was a really highly touted college kid that last night he started his first opener and he's been in the league, what, eight, nine years. Yeah. With Geno with Gino Smith. Yeah, and that's the first time he started an opener, yeah. It wasn't that crazy standing, <laughs> sitting there watching him last night going, no, wait a minute, what took eight years for this guy to be able to start? <laughs> but he definitely, at least for one week, he took full advantage of it. We'll have more with Randy Cross, who played 13 years with the 49ers, right after this. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Kane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Kane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Kane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Kane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give him a call at 415-453. 2942. That's 415 453 2942 for Kane's Tire. I want to go back down memory lane a little bit. Just touch on, first of all, I mentioned the catch. And of course, I mean, that was the beginning of it for the 49ers to get to the Super Bowl, beating Dallas and winning it. Just tell me about that play. Just what went on in that play, what you remember exactly about it when Dwight Clark made that great catch uh, after Montana saved the day. Yeah. Um, yeah, sprint right option. It was at the end of that great that great uh, drive that a good chunk of that drive we had run the ball, which surprised them. I think in later years, you know, I worked with Mike Ditka on the NFL Today, and he always told the story that they were screaming and yelling on the sideline to get, you know, the offensive coaches were to get out of the nickel and get into the base defense because mm-hmm. we were just running it at them. We were running our 18 Bob, our two, our, our two guard sweep, 18 to 19 Bob and the 18 Bob reverse with Freddie and doing a lot of that on that drive. Um, that play itself, and I tell people this all the time and they go, oh, well, sure. But 
<laughs> you know, the sprint ride option, we had run it for a touchdown against them earlier in the year when we played them at Candlestick and beat them bad. Uh, we had run it earlier in that game uh, pretty effectively, but, you know, it's supposed to go to Freddie. Yeah. But Freddie, Freddie fell down. <laughs> and then Dwight's back of the end zone, he's supposed to, he, that's the adjustment off of that. And Joe's supposed to, the ball's supposed to be out of his hand about the time he rolls to about the tight end. So if you watch that, that angle they always show from the end zone, um, you know, Keith and I, Keith Fonhorse and I and, and Fred Quillen, we're blocking to the right, but we look like we kind of hesitate or stop. Well, we're thinking Joe's behind the tight end. Right. And that, again, speaks to Joe. And, and later it was Steve, and you know, now it's whoever else is the guy that can move. You can't assume anything. And he just kept going and going, which left me a great angle because by the time – you know, I, I got over there about the same area where he was throwing it. You know, Too Tall was there and uh, another cowboy or two, and he throws that ball. I had the great angle of looking straight down the field, and D.C. just kind of jumped out of the gym, which we knew he could do because any of us that played off-season basketball with he and Joe knew what great athletes they were. <laughs> you know, and I love telling – because cowboy fans to this day insist he was throwing the ball away. And I'm always <laughs> no. left. That's that's BS. Um, he was put. He he wasn't throwing it at DC, but he was going to put it where he knew only DC could get it. <laughs> and it was a, it was a pretty amazing pass. And you know that wasn't the game winner. You know Ray Wershing extra point was the game winner, and maybe the a real game winner was Eric Wright grabbing Drew Pearson by the back of the jersey because it looked like he might have break, breaking a long one right after that. <laughs> Hey, I didn't realize it until I watched that uh, Montana do- documentary that he was a bit of a trash talker more than I thought. I mean, you know, he he's told some stories about needling guys like Too Tall Jones. Yeah, Too Tall, uh, and, and it wasn't the normal. It wasn't like he was talking smack to some guy he played with at Notre Dame or you know some slappy that you know might be a first or second year guy. <laughs> you know, he's he's picking on Ed Too Tall Jones and Harvey Martin and Randy White. You know, we we played in that game early. Randy White, he, he didn't get a sack, but he hit Joe. Uh-huh. And and Joe was getting up off the ground. He looks at Randy and goes, hey, Randy, how you doing, man? I didn't even know you were out here. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he'd, he'd say stuff like that all the time. <laughs> um, and, you know, you know, whether it was Keith or John Ayers or me or Fred or whoever, you know, you'd go, hey, man, will you chill on that? I don't. I don't need you pissing him off. Just, just go ahead. <laughs> you know, dissect them. You just have to talk smack to them. You know, and when he throws that one touchdown to DC early on, and just gets in too tall face, and you know, gives him that respect that blankety blank. You know, because too tall had made the comment that they didn't respect us because we hadn't played the real the real Cowboys and all that other stuff, but. It's funny. Uh, there's a buildup, Randy, to every NFL game, but it's like you know ten times more when you're talking about the Super Bowl, the buildup for the fans and the media. And when you guys played in that second Super Bowl against the Dolphins, that buildup, from what I remember, it was just all about Dan Marino. You know, it was it was all about the Dolphins, and you guys had a great team, and you go out and win it convincingly. So, what were you guys talking about going into that Super Bowl? Um, kind of the other side of that maybe a lack of, lack of respect. Um, 
I know our defense wasn't real fond of all those comments about how great Miami was. And that might have been, I mean, that was the best offensive team I played on, but it was also definitely the best defensive team I played with. Those guys were, were flipping assassins. <laughs> and, and they were torqued off by all that. So, and, and that game kind of spoke for itself, what, what they did to that Miami offense. And, you know, what we did to their defense, I mean, we ran, we threw for over 300 in that game and ran for over 200. Um, and it was a, it was a pretty dominant, dominant performance, but it was as dominant on defense as it was on offense. And, you know, I, I, I don't know why I said it or it was on the, you know, coming out at the end of the game. You know, I made a comment that everybody came to see a great offense and the wrong one showed up. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the right one for 49ers fans. Yeah. Uh, and then, then you go to your last game, which I, I don't remember if you had made an announcement that that was going to be your last game, the Super Bowl against the Bengals and the last drive and everything. I mean, it, did you know that was your last game or did you not make that decision yet? Yeah, I, I did. Actually, that Wednesday, you know, they had that big press conference deal. I announced my retirement at that that gathering. Ah, okay. Um, so I talked about talked about it a few times during the course of that week, and yeah, I, I had I had and I had sort of made that decision at the first playoff game, the divisional playoff game against the Vikings. Um, and I've got a I've got a picture at home of me standing on the sideline towards the end of that game, and I'm looking up at the upper deck, kind of looking around because I knew that would be the last time I would, I'd ever play in that stadium because we got, we had to go to Chicago for the, for the NFC championship game. Um, but yeah, I, I made that announcement before during, during that week. So, you know, I had a, I had a, a, a couple of plays in that game that might've uh, set me up pretty good for being the goat. Um, and I don't mean Jerry Rice's goat. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's his fault. I had a bad snap and, I had a uh, ineligible receiver downfield because I ran into a, a linebacker blitzing and kind of got bounced downfield a little bit on that game-winning drive. But oh, you know, I didn't remember the, that. Okay, yeah, yeah, and which you know Bob Costas had to remind me of that after the game, <laughs> which I didn't appreciate at all. Um, <laughs> but I'm just lucky. I, I was lucky. I played with guys like Montana Rice and Craig and people like that. You know that drive. I mean, it's it's famous for Joe Montana saying that, hey, there's John Candy on the sideline because he was so cool in the huddle. But what was everybody else doing? You know, was everybody else a little nervous? I mean, here you are. It's your last game. And, you know, it could be your last drive, last chance to win a third Super Bowl. Well, I mean, yeah, that was my 21st year of playing football. Um, I didn't need it explained to me that, you know, being down by three points with a couple minutes to go, and you're huddling basically in your own end zone because the ball's on the eight. Um, that this is a bit of a tall order, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. We were in, we, we were in a TV timeout, and that huddle was very quiet, and guys were very intense, especially Harris Barton, who was over there vibrating. He was so intense. <laughs> um, but you know, and when Jess went, went made what Joe did coming in the huddle and kind of making that offhand remark sort of broke, broke tension and, you know, kind of, kind of the perfect, perfect comment at the perfect time, um, which timing was always one of his fortes. 
you know, on those teams, when you had a guy like Roger Craig to be able to go to, whether it be running the ball or catching it, that's just such a valuable option. He, he seems to be so underrated, not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, how is that possible? I mean, you know, I think you should be yeah. in there as well, but it seems like some of those players were undervalued. Yeah, to, to a degree. I mean, it's, it's an old thing to, to, to say, but it doesn't make it any less true. Um, in sports, if it happens west of the Mississippi, it's kind of like being in the witness protection program at times because you just don't get the attention that you get on the, uh, on the East Coast unless you're like Showtime with the Lakers. Um, and in the NFL, especially back then, it was all about, you know, the NFC East and the AFC East and, you know, a lot of other teams and, and other locations. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's just sort of something you had to deal with. And, you know, it, at times you could be, it could be a, an, an advantage. At other times it would be an aggravation. But, you know, to me, Roger Craig um, is, is a Hall of Famer and will always be a Hall of Famer because he did things that no one had ever done and did them for a pretty good period of time. And, you know, I, I just, that's, I, I don't understand that, but, you know, that's fine. Yeah, I don't I I don't I don't even pretend to try to understand what that process is, that what that process is much more the qualifications of the people that vote on it. Yeah. When you retired, Randy, uh, you're just such a natural to be a broadcaster. So did you know right away you wanted to do that and to, you know, to be in the field as long as you have uh, how much satisfaction do you have in in versatile uh, roles too, sort of like as a player, where you were versatile, you could be a center, be a guard. Uh, in broadcasting, you've done a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's. My dad was an actor. I grew up around the business, uh, the you know the entertainment, TV, movie business. Um, so when I, when I was probably in college, maybe my sophomore year, you you run into your first media types in the locker room talking to you before games or before practice and whatnot. And my dad made a comment to me and said, you got to learn how to do that because that's extreme. Communicating is extremely important. He said, and especially if you're an offensive lineman, he said, cause there's no other reason to talk to you right. other than <laughs> you, you, you're somebody they can talk to and then have something worthwhile to say. Uh, you obviously it's content more than it is just just having you know words running out of your mouth. Guys forget that at times. Um, but yeah, it was it, it's kind of a it was in my DNA, kind of that I I was I was, had a naturally oversized ham bone, if you will. So <laughs> yeah, I, I started doing radio and TV. I got my first break um, radio station in San Francisco KSFO. Yeah. I, I I got hurt in an off-season accident at an amusement park that used to be down in the peninsula, uh, Marine World. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, I, I dislocated my ankle and tore ligaments and broke my leg. I mean, really a nasty accident. And my buddy up there that was the general manager at the time calls up and says, hey, look, if I set a car for you, do you want to, like, read sports in the morning? <laughs> So I was doing nothing but laying on the couch. So I said, yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> so I did it for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, that, that turned into doing more regular things. And then on KCBS, I started doing a Monday night show. And I had my own TV show there for my last four or five years of my career. And 
so I'd always do stuff, and I was lucky enough to do USFL games uh, on TV at, on Channel Two because every every city had to have a, a an affiliate, a local affiliate, do the games besides the national contract. So I got to work with Barry Tompkins on that, which was a great great privilege and yeah. a great experience. So I had tapes. So I would I would take my tapes at the end of every off season and I'd send them to the networks. So when I finally got done playing, it seemed like the natural thing to do. You know, they they go through a lot of folks. So lasting more than a couple of years um, is is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not if you're not one of the one of the many people they get tired of and get rid of, and for <laughs> me it's it's taken them a while to get rid of me. <laughs> Well, yeah, working for CBS Sports Network now. All right, last thing, Randy, before I let you go. Uh, your alma mater, UCLA, and my alma mater, USC, they're heading to the Big Ten. What was your reaction to that? Have you had a chance to digest that? Uh, you know, I don't think there's any other way to, to look at it realistically other than it's a money grab. Yeah. Um, and you can, you can say all the various things about competition and it's, it's whatever. Um, it, it's, they got to survive. And, and it's if you're supporting an entire athletic department on two sports, you have to maximize what you can get. And I think it's a very, very smart decision by both schools. I think they won't be alone here very, very soon. There are going to be other schools from that part of the country joining them uh, in one of those conferences uh, in, in the middle of the country. Um, and it's, it's about the money, and that's it, this. The landscape of college football has changed dramatically, but nothing has influenced it more by the amount of money involved. Whether it's you know the NFL TV contracts or the college football TV contracts or everything else, NIL and whatnot, and that's just the reality of where we're at. Is does it make sense to have to send your lacrosse team to Piscataway, New Jersey? <laughs> no, yeah, um, no, not really. But, hell, it's a better trip to make and maybe an easier trip to make at times than going to Pullman yeah. or Corvallis. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I think SC and UCLA uh, made good decisions. SC, I think, is better, better prepared for it because they are, they are, and they have shown right now under Lincoln Riley early on, they have the talent to compete in any, any conference in the country. And they especially have the talent at the line of scrimmage. And that's something when you get into the Big Ten, uh, you're going to have to have because they have some, some of the best offensive and defensive linemen outside of the SEC you're going to find in college football. Yeah. All right, well, it'll be fun to see what happens there. Randy, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. It was fantastic. And I'll talk to you down the road. No problem, Joe. My pleasure. That's former 49ers lineman Randy Cross, now with CBS Sports Network. Join us again next time for another edition of the Sports Virus Podcast. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.